Welcome to episode number 157, Loss and Grieving. I am your host, Damon Soka. We have come to that time of year when the opportunity to reflect and reminisce comes so easily. It is during the holidays when we gather together as families and friends, when the loss of someone close becomes most noticeable. The holidays can be a mixed bag of emotions, but that first holiday without someone can be the most difficult. Our feelings of joy can be bittersweet as we celebrate both birth and mourn death. Grief and all that comes with it can at times feel more like a punishment rather than a gift. The tears, pain, anger, and even numbness don't seem akin to happiness in any sense of the word. But what we find in stages of grief and the passage of time is a chance to heal, to find peace, and eventually to feel even greater joy when we are reunited again. And we will be reunited. One of the shortest scriptures recorded in the New Testament has often given me great comfort. The scripture comes from John 11.35. The Savior had come to the tomb of one of his deepest friends. Lazarus had died a few days before. Martha and Mary were beginning what we refer to as the grieving process as the Savior arrived. While the Savior knew what he would do, no one else apparently did. Raising a man from the dead, one that had been dead over three days, had never been done. When the Savior saw Martha and Mary, and likely others he knew well, weeping at the loss, he became overwhelmed. And then we read the shortest, but perhaps one of the most impactful scriptures in the New Testament. Jesus wept. These two words give us great perspective when it comes to the mortal emotion of the Savior, his ability to empathize, and his mortal condition. He could feel the emotional despair brought about by the death of Lazarus. Now, even though he knew that he would raise Lazarus, the emotional despair of others caused his own mortal body to react in an empathetic way. In those two words, we can see and know that the Savior felt what we do in mortality. He understands grief and loss. He had to pass through exactly what we do when our lives are interrupted by any type of loss. He was acquainted with grief, as Isaiah stated. He was not given godly attributes so that he could temper mortal emotions. He was to feel what we do and experience mortality truly as a mortal being. When we think of loss and grieving, most of our attention is turned towards death. Although loss and grieving take place regularly in our lives, death seems to bring about the deepest emotional response. We can lose friends and family relationships. We can break up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We can pass through a divorce. We can lose a child or even our children can move away from us. We can move to another location, leaving behind cherished relationships. We can even give up a very personal possession or cherished item of importance to us. We can lose a family pet. We can experience grief and loss with anything we choose to, which we have an emotional connection, whether by choice or not. The real key to when and how we grieve is the depth of our emotional connection. The closer we are, and the more connected we become to the person, animal, or object, the deeper our grief and feelings of loss. When family members die or someone very close to us, it can feel as though we have lost a part of ourselves. 
Emotionally, this is likely true because we will share with that other person an emotional connection, which we refer to as love. The scriptures refer to our emotions as our heart and the connectedness as being one. When we are one with each other, we are naturally filled with empathy, and empathy is simply a connectedness of emotion. And so it is very natural to feel great loss when that emotional connectedness is lost for a time. We are truly losing a piece of ourselves emotionally. Interestingly enough, the same thing happens with our minds. When we are connected with someone, we actually store information in their brain. Many couples, close friends, and parents can feel almost lost when the other person dies or becomes disconnected. That is because we share brain space. We expect that person to remember certain things and we remember other facts or items of importance. It is part of the brain's efficiency strategy and provides for a more connected relationship between us. When the relationship is severed, then the brain can feel as though it is missing a piece of itself, which is almost true in some senses. This only adds to our discomfort when someone close to us is removed from close connection. Grieving is a natural process. It is also a healing process. Its purpose is to allow the brain and body to disconnect itself and reestablish emotional stability without the previous connection being present. This is not an easy task for the brain. Remember, we are emotional beings, not rational ones. Everything we do revolves around our emotional desires, our wants, and our needs. When we find emotional stability with another human being, and even animals, the loss of that person or pet will eventually cause instability. That instability is bewildering to the brain and the emotional connection that was severed. It will cause shock, deep pain, suffering, and often even anger. Eventually, these feelings will subside and the emotions move into feelings of depression, understanding, and acceptance. But while our minds understands time and space, our emotions may not, and so the timing of grief can vary widely, even when we grieve at two separate times in our lives. We should not be as concerned about the timing of grieving as we should about making sure that we avoid healing and burying our grief. I also personally believe that spiritual beings, for the most part, don't understand loss and grief. Where there is no death, such as in premortality or the spirit world, it is difficult to imagine never being without someone. I don't think we really experienced it until the one-third of heaven were cast out as part of their rebellion. It was at this moment we began to understand the emotional reality of death and the grief that follows. I'm certain the grief and loss was immense when those judgments occurred and we watched as our brothers and sisters, through their own choice, marched pridefully and angrily out of heaven. Beyond that crisis and the difficulties that ensued, I don't think that grief and sorrow were much of a concern in the pre-mortal world. Perhaps they were, but perhaps that might also be why we traverse grief so many times in mortality. We did understand, at least logically, that we would experience grief and loss regularly in mortality. Grieving is important to our mortal condition and is incredibly important to our spiritual nature. 
Each of us will learn to grieve in this life. While grieving is natural, it must be learned. We will all pass through those stages of grief outlined by psychologists, which are like denial or shock and anger or emotional distress, bargaining or really the questions of why, and depression or truly feeling the loss, and then finally acceptance or coming to an understanding of the loss emotionally are really the basic definitions of the stages. Although we don't necessarily pass through them like driving through cities on the freeway. We can stop for a time in one stage, sometimes move back a stage, pass through two stages at the same time, and even bury our feelings in an attempt to avoid the stages. We can even pass through the stages over again. Grieving is a very personal process, and even though it is personal, it is a process that will take the time it needs. Meaning, you may not have complete control over the grieving process. And when you pass through each stage, yes, you will have some control. But the more you attempt to control the passage of the stages, the more difficult it may be to work through it. Somewhere deep in our emotionally connected subconscious, we have embedded some of the abilities to grieve in our own way and time. However, sometimes our rational mind and our society's unwritten rules get in the way. One of the important things we need to accomplish is to release our emotional distress and heal the emotional disconnection. However, many societies frown upon various forms of release, such as weeping or crying, emotional outbursts, discussion and loss, and so many other forms of emotional display. A good part of grieving is dealing with the emotional chaos that ensues. The main difficulty we face is simply the ability to grieve. Sometimes, even within the church, we tend to downplay the need to grieve as a lack of faith. If you truly have faith and believe, then you really don't need to grieve. However, the Doctrine and Covenants contains an interesting verse about grief. Now, this is in Doctrine and Covenants 42:45. Thou shalt live together in love, insomuch that thou shalt weep for the loss of them that die, and more especially for those that have not a hope of a glorious resurrection. We are commanded to grieve in a sense. The Lord understands the value of grieving when we have lost the emotional connection we once possessed. He knows that the body, both spiritually and physically, needs to work through the process to heal. And he understands that it is a physical and emotional healthy to grieve. Certainly the Lord knows that our relationships will continue, but he still commands us to grieve, and even grieve more for those who may not have the opportunity of celestial life. I don't think that he's asking us to judge whether someone will or will not inherit eternal life, but I do think that he understands that we might grieve more for someone we feel has lost their way. In either case, the command is to grieve. The grieving process can be as short as a few weeks or as long as many years. It is unwise to compare the grief of one person to another. It is also unwise to compare our own grief from one experience to another. We should allow for grief to find its path. The one caveat to grief is that we have the atonement of Jesus Christ as a buffer to both allow for grief and also allow for healing. Grieving is emotionally healing. Just as our body must fight through the healing process when we sprain our ankle or cut our finger, 
our emotional body must heal from wounds inflicted by the loss. We must pass through shock and pain and anger, even betrayal, and then we must come to an understanding of the loss through the bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Even when we have passed through the stages of grief, we should understand that we might return again to the understanding phase and even possibly to the anger and pain phase. Healing can and does take time and effort on our part. As we look to the atonement of the Savior, we see two parts. The first we know is repentance or the removal of sin and the change of heart process. This one we discuss regularly. The second part of the atonement, known as grace, was the Savior's ability to pass through every hurt and pain, both in mortality and vicariously. He did so specifically so that he could heal physical and emotional wounds with a full understanding. He could allow for us to pass through the process, but provide strength and aid as we needed it. He had to pass through the emotional distress far more difficult than we will ever feel so that he could bring forth what he calls the bowels of mercy. His purpose was simple. If we would come to him and ask, we would not be asked to pass through the grief process without his loving and strengthening hand. He would allow us to grieve, but also help us to pass through it. In some cases, he would remove the most difficult portions. In other cases, he would simply strengthen us to bear it. Ultimately, all that we would have to do is ask and have faith, and he would take our yoke upon him, and we would bear only what was needed. However, the requirement is to ask. Asking requires a level of faith, and without faith, he really can't help us. But I believe that the majority of us have sufficient faith. Depending upon our susceptibility to mental illness, our culture, our traditions, and the timing of the loss and the nature of the loss, we can fall into a temporary or more permanent state of mental illness. Two of the most common due to loss are anxiety and depression. A third type of mental illness, which is somewhat of a subset of the other two, we refer to as PTSD. There exists no formula for who will and who will not fall into a temporary state or a more permanent one. However, there is something very important to understand. Finding oneself stuck in a state of mental illness does not indicate a lack of faith, a lack of emotional strength, or really a lack of anything. Emotional illness comes about by a variety of factors that have little to do with lacking a testimony of the gospel or emotional fortitude. So often, those unspoken ideas ruminate in our minds and in our social circles especially when we see another person who has grieved at the same loss but appears to be doing just fine. We can feel weak, exposed, unworthy, faithless, doubting, lacking, and so many other things. And those feelings can cause us to become emotionally barricaded. Instead of grieving and working through our difficulties, we can begin to deny them and bury them deeper and deeper until we have a mountain of cover over them. The problem with this bury it until it goes away process is that it doesn't allow the soul to grieve. Whether now or later, the soul must grieve, and so we simply prolong the grief until another day. Those buried feelings can also cause greater difficulties for us down the road. 
especially when another moment of grieving occurs. We can get stuck in terrible parts of the grief, grief process, such as anger, and never come to an understanding and acceptance. We can become stuck in the depression phase, somehow thinking that we could never be happy or joyful again. While we often don't necessarily want to admit it, when we have buried the grieving process, we can and often do cause serious issues with our mental health, and it can affect more than just another grieving process. Our emotional stability can be seriously altered to the point that we are unable to connect with other friends and family. We can literally isolate ourselves emotionally and create a world of pain and misery. If you learn one thing, though, about grief today, learn that mental illness that comes of grief is not a choice. It is a part of our physical and emotional system that was predetermined before this life. If grieving has left you in a deep depression or with terrible anxiety or PTSD, it is not because you were somehow weaker than another person. Mental illness comes to us as part of the weaknesses that are described in Ether 1227. The Lord provided for those weaknesses, and he determined the ones we needed in this life so that we could obtain celestial life. I realize that it is difficult to understand how a loving God could give such a terrible illness to someone, especially when we are in the midst of suffering. But if we are doing as well as we can with the gospel and mental illness becomes part of our life through grief, then the Lord has allowed it to occur that we might learn something important to our salvation. I personally don't understand all of the reasons why, and perhaps that is because the reasons have to do with premortality in our own individual needs, but we need it all the same. We also need to understand that the grieving process is one of healing and how the Lord desires that we move forward. One of the more interesting things about grieving is that it often turns our hearts to the understanding of the why. We can and often are more receptive to inspiration in the spirit as we grieve. That is, if we can get through the anger and hurt. Once the emo emotional shock is left, we are likely to feel anger and hurt. There is nothing wrong with these feelings. It is part of mortality. It is one way the body heals and removes the more difficult emotions we feel. This doesn't mean that we develop those emotions like some individuals do when chasing justice. We should allow for frustration and anger, but also appeal to the Lord that he heal our souls. Understand that our minds were raised in a very just world, and we have a very just Father in heaven. So if we feel a little justice and a desire for justice, that is just who we are. But we do need to move beyond justice to mercy, and the Savior can help tremendously in that transition. A healing of the emotional mind needs to take place, and that is where the Savior is at his best. Allow for the Savior to heal the emotional connection. It might take some time, but as you ask, you will feel it, and eventually that loss will be accepted and will turn into something to be cherished rather than cause you pain and suffering. As we pass into the why phase and then perhaps the loss or depression stage, we are likely going to feel just a little lost. When we have such deep and emotional anger and pain, our emotions need a little rest, and this can feel depressing in nature. And yes, sometimes we can fall into a more clinical state of depression. Again, do not think of this as some type of punishment 
or just not being strong enough to handle the loss. This is part of the plan of our Father in Heaven to provide for learning and strengthening of testimony. Now, some individuals may also fall into a form of depression and anxiety called PTSD. I am certain you might have heard of this type of mental illness. In some cases, when the brain experiences trauma, it can go into a state of shock and anxiety where it continues to experience at some level the trauma. While the stages differ a little as far as what is experienced, ultimately the pathway to recovery is similar as in depression and anxiety. In almost all cases where mental illness becomes part of the healing process, help will be needed from others who possess the understanding and capacity to provide coping mechanisms, medications, and brain training. So often we feel that we need to deal with loss and grieving by ourselves. Whether we are embarrassed by it or we feel so lost we don't know what to do, we don't know how to talk about it, or simply don't feel we need to talk about it, or even we feel that it's our burden to be carried, often for men and sometimes for women, it is the culturally taught individualistic and self-sufficient feelings that hold us back from discussing our losses and grief. Whether we believe it or not, grief was meant to be shared. Even the scriptures tell us that we should mourn with those that mourn. We should weep with those that weep. Even the Savior wept at times when others mourned their grief and loss. We should talk about it, cry about it if needed, write down our feelings in journals, even get some professional help. Therapists have been trained to help us through these processes. So often we think we know what we are doing when we are grieving, but just a simple discussion can change our whole perspective. I realize that a stigma is attached to seeing a therapist, and that includes within the confines of the church and some of its leadership. We should not be concerned about seeing the brain trainers, as I like to call them. Their purpose is really to help you with coping mechanisms and retraining our brain. Our brain doesn't necessarily come with all the skills needed to cope with every one of life's surprises. Psychology has come a long ways in just the last few decades in understanding how best to work through life's challenges. When we become stuck or feel that we are deeply struggling, it should always be one of our considerations. Finally, something important about grief and grieving. When we grieve, it is important to understand that we will not see ourselves as depressed or anxious or angry. Because our emotional state is our reality, we cannot evaluate our emotions in third person. We must rely on others to help us. In one of my more recent podcasts, I noted that I was unable to see myself trending towards deep depression because of my autoimmune illness. We simply cannot see our emotional state from an outside perspective. We should listen to those around us about changes in our emotions, attitude, happiness, desires, passions, and so forth. When we are in the grieving process, this is incredibly important. We need others to help us when we are passing through grieving. We need the Savior, and His help comes through others regularly. Yes, the Savior will help us directly as well, but we shouldn't discount those whom He has asked to provide us comfort. To grieve is to be a spiritual being in a mortal body. It was meant to be one of the important lessons in life that would bring us greater connection when we reunite on the other side of the veil. That reunion will be sweeter due to the grieving process. Remember, grieving is meant to heal our emotional connection until we are reunited again for eternity. 
The process is meant to be traveled with the Savior and to bring our hearts closer to His. May He heal your heart and mind and bring you the peace you so desire. Until next week, and as always, do your part so that the Lord can do His.